Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Live Your Great Story podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Strickland. You know, this podcast exists to introduce you to really cool people doing really cool things. And this week, I get to introduce you to my friend, Amy Cotta. Now, Amy is living her great story by making the memories of others a priority, by showing honor where honor is due. She's the founder of an amazing organization called Memories of Honor. I've had the privilege of serving on the board of directors for a little while, and I fully support this mission. I'm so excited to have Amy on this podcast today and for all of you to hear the story of how Memories of Honor got started and what motivates Amy to continue on daily. As a military brat myself, the military and our armed forces have a very special place in my heart. And so it is a joy to have this conversation with Amy. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with my friend, Amy Cotta. Thank you for saying yes and coming on the podcast and sharing your story. So uh, obviously I know you personally, we've known each other I don't even know how many years now, um, but tell us a little, tell everybody else just kind of a little bit about yourself, um, you know, where you're from, your family, athletic history, whatever, not necessarily work related because we'll get into all that here in a minute, but um, just let us get to know you a little bit. <laughs> well, Stacy, I'm getting so old. I have many stories now, <laughs> many rebirths. Um. So yeah, I am a mother of six, um, birthed four, bonus mother of the other two. Um, You know, I've kind of gone through life dreaming big and and going after stuff. And every time uh, I thought I was at the pinnacle of where I wanted to be, life threw a curveball. And it was like, Hmm. no. I needed you to learn those lessons and here's a life direction, a course change. And so I'd be like, all right, let's follow that. So I started off when I was like 13 years old. I always wanted to be, this is going to sound really crazy, not to be someone like I'm 13, right? Like I, Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what that means. I knew I had some sort of purpose and I didn't know at the time that it was to help other people. Um, mm. But so, you know, as a 13 year old in the, in the non-social media age, you know, I wanted to be like my heroes, which were all female professional bodybuilders. And um, of course my father. And I quickly realized that I was not smart enough to fly his jet airplanes. <laughs> mm. So I was like, I'm going to be a professional bodybuilder. And at the time they didn't, you know, they looked like swimsuit models now. Um, so yeah, I took that and then, you know, I started competing when I was 13 doing nationals and pro stuff when I was like 16. And I was like, this is it, you know, I'm going to make a living being a fitness professional and getting endorsements and, you know, life changed. It's 20 years old. I was married and pregnant and hello. (laughs) Um, Yeah. 
So um, after my first two children, I kept competing and I thought, okay, you know, I, I had gotten a couple of um, times where, where people had reached out to me to do television. And um, I thought, wow, you know, I had been working with ESPN and had done some stuff with them. And I was like, yeah, you know, I want to study radio and I want to study television. So I went to school, to college when I was like 24, 25, got my first radio job in uh, Cape Girardeau, Missouri and worked on a rock station there. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to work on my chops and uh, I had gotten some infomercial jobs selling uh, exercise equipment on air, and I thought, okay, this is it. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a TV host. I'm gonna do these infomercials. I'm gonna be the QVC queen, and <laughs> it's all gonna be like, yeah, this is my life. And boom, life kind of happened. And um, I still stayed in that arena for a while, but. Um, <laughs> I had gotten a uh, an infomercial deal where I was getting a piece of the rollout, meaning um, that every piece of product that left the warehouse, I, on top of my fee for being the talent, I was getting a piece of every piece that went out. Let's say I made a dollar off of it. Shot this infomercial, and it's test was awesome it sold like over a million pieces hmm. and I was like oh my god I've done it I've reached the pinnacle you know my life has changed I'm going to be able to put my kids through college and four days later I get an email hmm. oh sorry that was not your test although it said it was the xyz product it was actually ABC product, and those were not the numbers. The mm -mm. product didn't test well. We're shelving it. I went from, I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm going to be able to send my kids to college and not worry about it, to, are you kidding me? Uh you know, I had a fairly big internet presence at the time, and somebody had reached out to me about um, doing a book. And I was like, sure, I can do a book. And they're like, well, send us a book proposal on this topic. So I sent them the book proposal. And, um, you know, I wrote it from my, the book proposal from my experience of pitching and selling fitness products. Mm -hmm. And um, lo and behold, within like a couple of weeks, I had these two major publishing houses in a bidding war over it. And I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason and, you know, God's calling or I like, this is it. <laughs> yeah. Here we are again. This is wrote, it. Yeah. This is it. Wrote the book, um, went through six editors during that 18 month process. They, they kept their doors were like a revolving door. So the people that were excited about the book and the marketing people, all of them were gone. So now mm. I've got people that don't care about the book working on the book. Wow. And uh, the book was released and I saw it on the shelves mm. and I saw it on Amazon and I'm like, this is it. The book 
did okay, but it wasn't the lottery. Mm, <laughs> like I thought it yeah. was going to be. And I just was at this place of what is going on? Like every time I thought, okay, God, I'm listening. I'm following. I'm, I am following what I'm being told to do. Mm-hmm. And because I'm, I'm, I'm walking in that faith, those doors are opening, right? Cause I'm right. listening and the doors are opening. Yeah. And every time the door opens and I go through, I'm like, yes, this is it. I'm, I'm at, I'm at my purpose. Yeah. And I've quickly realized, no, that's not your purpose. And then I, I ran and my kids are getting older and I'm getting older. And, and I'm like, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? Everything I do, I run towards it with a vigor. And then, you know, you, 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 you throw the hammer down. I remember I even had like these, you know, nonverbal conversations in my head. I'm like, are you teasing me? Like, like, are you, are you are, like, am, am I your, like, am I your, your plaything, your puppet? Like, what's going on? And, um, so it wasn't until, uh, I can't even remember the, the year, but I was, um, I was 39 turning 40 and I was watching this show on TV. It was, um, the iron girl, which is an all female triathlon, <clears throat> And it was the most amazing thing I've ever watched because it was these women from all backgrounds, all ages, all shapes, all sizes. And they all had one thing in common. They had just this utter look of joy in their faces. And I thought, ah, that's what I want. I want whatever it is that they have. And then (laughs) I remembered, oh, you've got to be able to swim. <laughs> you know? Like I could wade in the water, but I wasn't a swimmer. And, yeah. um, you know, I even said to my husband, I'm like, I'm going to do that. And he, he looked over at me kind of half chuckling, like, okay, what have you been drinking? Because you, you can't swim because it's a half a mile swim. You can't even put your face in the water. And I was like, I know, but I want to do it. And then it kind of sunk in. I was like, you know, I kind of wilted and I was like, yeah, you're right. I'm never, that's a goal I'm never going to be able to do because I can't swim. And I remember later that night I came upstairs and I got in the shower. And prior to that, my mom had called and told me about two family members. One, I think she was 18. She had breast cancer and another had, um, she wasn't very old. She had gone to the doctor, uh, the chiropractor with back pain, and they immediately sent her to the emergency room and come to find out she was completely ate up with cancer. Hmm. They gave her a couple of weeks to live and she made it a month. Um, but I was, hmm. I was, when I was in the shower, I, I, I just started crying and I thought, how selfish are you? And what kind of person sits there and complains about not being able to swim when two of your family members are facing life-threatening illnesses? One has been given a death sentence. And there's millions of people all across the world facing similar circumstances. They would give anything 
for that to be their only worry or their only fear mm-hmm. is the water. Yeah. And I heard, I heard this nonverbal voice and it said, get uncomfortable. Wow. And that voice and those words absolutely changed my life. Um, I had to get over myself. I had always been super, super fit. I was always the lean girl. I was always the girl with the abs. And here I was not the person that I had been. And I was very self-conscious. Like, I kept thinking, oh, you know, not only are you going to look like a blob in the swimsuit, but, you know, those lifeguards are going to be thinking, yeah, we're going to be pulling her out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> but I joined I joined a, uh, a team for adults to to basically learn how to competitively swim um, for triathlon. Mm-hmm. And it took about eight months. It took a, everything I had every day to get out of this house and show up at the pool. But having said that, I was not going to let my why down. It was now not about me. It wasn't about me and my fear of the water. It wasn't about me and my body conscious twisted self because I still looked amazing at the time now that I look back at pictures, but you know, we were never happy with how we look. Right. Right. Um, and so at the time I was running an all women's boot camp, and the most amazing thing happened. Like all of my clients watched and saw me go through this transformation and saw me facing my fears. And they all wanted kind of like how I was with the women on the TV. Mm-hmm. They wanted what I had. And so these women like kind of joined in and they were like, yeah, you know, I want to do this with you. And some of them had never ran, even walked like a mile before. Hmm. And so it was myself and uh, I can't remember how many there were of us, like maybe six that went out to the iron girl in Vegas. And, uh, and and did that event. I got in the water. Well, prior to that, let me back up. Um, During that time, not only did I have my two family members, but my father-in-law was diagnosed with throat cancer. And my sister-in-law was diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I'm gonna try not to cry. Um, So I had my husband write Oh, and I and another friend of mine uh, was terminally ill with cancer. Uh, a friend of mine had, or my husband had, wrote all their names on my stomach. Hmm. And um, because I was carrying them with me in the water, and the most beautiful thing happened. You know, I kind of did the sign of the cross. I'm not Catholic, but I did the sign of the cross, and I said out loud. God, I know you would not have put this in my heart to do if you also didn't give me the ability to do it. Yeah. And I got in the water with everybody else. And like this serenity, I've never felt this kind of peace. And I was just going and I was just trucking. And I was, the water was like, really clear, which was kind of weird. And I was like, Oh, golf ball. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of all this fear, all this like 
serenity and you know noticing things on the on the bottom of the lake and um i hit about the halfway point and that's when the wheels came off the bus and i started mm. struggling because i didn't realize that i got motion sick really bad in the water <laughs> oh yeah that's a problem it took me almost an hour to finish my husband was on the beach doing you know pacing worried thinking that something happened to me but uh the most amazing and life-changing thing happened that day. When I got out of the water, it was like how people describe being baptized. When my feet hit that sand, I was reborn. Hmm. Every doubt, every negative thing that anybody had ever said to me, every negative thing I had ever said to myself was left in the water. I wow. had just done what I thought... And what was ingrained in my head was impossible. I had just done the impossible. And I thought, what else can I do? Wow. And from from that moment on, I've always, I I have gone on to live my life of, and with the, what else is possible. And yeah, I may be fearful. Yeah, that may scare me, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. So my whole life has been led by purpose since that point. That's awesome. Yeah, I have um, on one of the previous episodes, we've actually talked about this a lot on multiple episodes about doing things scared, how it's just like, I have this dream, and I'm going to say yes to this adventure, even though it is terrifying. But I'm going to say yes, and I'm going to do it anyways, and trust that, like you said, the Lord's not going to bring me this dream and this passion and not equip me to do it. So that's a, that's beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I like, I like that you said, you know, about, you know, that it's been a recurring thing with fear and, and dreams. I now live in the mindset that if, if it doesn't scare you, you're not dreaming big enough because mm-hmm. really big dreams and big achievements require us to get outside of our comfort zone. And, yeah. and that is when my, for me personally, my whole shift was get uncomfortable. Yeah. What can I do to get uncomfortable? Because yeah. that's when you start living. When you live in the confines of daily life and just, you know, kind of scooting by and doing what you're doing just because it's, you know, I get up at this certain time and I go to work at this certain time and I get home at this certain time. At that point, yeah, you got to do those things in order to be able mm-hmm. to let, you know, to keep right. a roof on over your head and the lights on. But at that point, we're not living. Yeah. We're just shuffling through life. For sure. That's so true. So I'm going to kind of, I'm going to kind of jump us ahead a little bit. Um, to you know getting uncomfortable and when you run a marathon when you run a 5k you run it in the right pair of shoes <laughs> and <laughs> um, so, so jumping forward because i feel like you know this story that i'm setting you up for is the foundation of how memories of honor got started which is the organization yes. and, and the passion that we really want to get to here in a minute but um but how did you have to get uncomfortable? Like, tell me that story of how really Memories of Honor got started, you know, because it, like I said, it wasn't, it wasn't always the 
amazing big thing that it is now. Um, you know, it started out small, like any any great thing. But um, how were you asked to get uncomfortable, and um, and then how did that develop into what we see now as Memories of Honor? which we'll get into in yeah, a minute of so, what that is. <laughs> yeah, I was, you know, so I was shuffling through life again, you know, just kind of doing things here and there um, to raise money for, for cancer and cancer awareness, um, mostly Susan G. Coleman. And then, um, so like I mentioned earlier, I have six children. Um, my oldest son is my only biological son. And um, he was always my little snuggle bunny. No matter how old he gets, he will always be my little snuggle bunny. And, um, he's, he, he had gone through all four years of high school, uh, through the JROTC program. And I knew he wanted to serve. We are a military family. Um, almost every man in my family on both sides had, had served going all the way back to the civil war. Um, my ex-husband was a veteran. My father was a veteran. So those are the closest, you know, ones to me. And I knew my son was going to serve. And I was very, very happy and excited about his decision. And then um, he comes home one day and he's 17. He comes home one day and he says, Mom, um, I've been talking, you know, to the recruiter and, you know, I'm going to go in, but I'm I'm not going to go to school because originally he was going to go to college and, and go through the ROTC program. Um, I've decided not to go to school. I want to go directly into service and I no longer want to go into the army. I want to go into the Marine Corps and I want to be a grunt. Wow. Pause wow. for effect. Heart drops on the floor. It's 2011. Um, we had been at war and conflict for only gosh knows how long at this point. I know way too many people that had lost their lives overseas. I know way too many people that had lost their, their battle here at home and took their own life due to, um, what people call PTSD. We're trying to take the D off of the disorder and Hmm. it's post-traumatic stress. Yeah. And, um, I was like, uh, you're going to what? And I, and, and I remember I said to him, Tyler, this isn't a video game and I know you want to do this, but I, I can't sign for you. He's 17. I can't sign for you. Yeah. I need, I need to know that you really thought this through. This isn't a game where you die and you get six more lives. And I, I understand and I appreciate that somebody has to do that job. Mm-hmm. But does it have to be you? Yeah. And so he he went away. He 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 thought about it. He came back. And darn it, did that kid not really think it through? And you know, I had to be true to my point. And I we went to the recruiter, and um, the recruiter said to me, "Ma'am, it's not a matter of if or when he'll be deployed. It'll be where and how often." I need mm-hmm. to be honest with you. And Stacy, you know me, I'm not ever one short on words. Right. And I could not speak. My hand was shaking. The ink going on that paper to this day is still the hardest thing I've ever done in my adult life. I was a hot, melting chocolate mess. Um, the weight of that ink in my hand 
thoughts of, okay, what if he gets in and he's in boot camp and he gets depressed and he decides that's not what he wants and now it's my fault. Why didn't you talk me out of it? And then Mm. boom, what happens if he dies? What if he dies in a training accident? What if he dies overseas? What if he comes back home and takes his own life because he can't handle what what he's seen and what he was asked to do? That's on me. And how Mm. am I going to live with myself? And um, that kid did not did not decide. He volunteered to go early. I thought I had several months. He just he volunteered to go in early. He did. He volunteered to go in open contract. So now I go from having months to be able to prepare for him to leave for boot camp for 13 weeks to weeks to prepare for him to leave. And uh, I, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> like, like, what do you do? And um, so, you know, he goes straight from basically high school graduation to me putting him on a bus. And I went from being okay to, oh, my God, what have I done? And um, for the first several weeks that he was – first couple of weeks that he was gone, it was like – it was like I had lost somebody. And and just having lost my dad recently, just a couple months ago, the pain was almost the same. Not all the same but almost the same, like that, that separation and anxiety and and that worry and that emptiness. And, and I had said, you know, to to my husband, I'm like, I don't know if I can live like this anymore, because I'd be driving down the road, and I would, or we'd be sitting at dinner, and I would just start crying. And if somebody asked me, how's Tyler, I, I would physically lose the ability to speak. And it mm. was, it was, it was the, it was the not knowing mm-hmm. the unknown and, and knowing that if he needed something, I can't help him. He no longer belongs to me. He belongs to uncle Sam. And I knew yeah. the fullness of what that meant. And, um, I had a pair of, of steel toe combat boots, Marine Corps combat boots that I had gotten at an event, um, from another military nonprofit. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to start wearing those boots everywhere I go. So that's what I did. It's in the middle of summer. I'm going to the grocery store in combat boots, <laughs> you know, shorts. <laughs> if, if I went, you know, if I went somewhere where I needed to be in a nice dress, I was in those boots. I never wow. wore a single other pair of shoes. And it, it started helping me feel connected and, um, there was a 5k in downtown Franklin, Tennessee. And, um, I wasn't, I, I wasn't a runner. I was still doing more biking than anything. And I had it band syndrome really bad. So mm-hmm. like, I couldn't even hardly go a mile without feeling like somebody was stabbing me in the knee, but I literally went from, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to run this 5k, but I'm going to do it in the boots. Wow. And the coolest thing happened is that while I was, while I was, and I use the term running loosely, while I was shuffling, <laughs> people would come up and they, they would tap me on the shoulder because I had my headphones in. And they're like, what's up with the boots? And I would tell them, and we would have this connective moment where they would either start to tear up because they could, for a moment, identify a mother's love. Yeah. And, um, or they had somebody that had served 
And it, it gave me something. And I still didn't know what it was at that moment, but I had, I had previously signed up for a half marathon in Nashville. Now, I'm going to be fully honest. Leading up to that, I had paid for, I'd signed up and paid for four half marathons over time. Never showed up to a single one of them. Oh my gosh. Because I was, I was afraid. Yeah. And I was that person that wanted to be a half marathoner or a marathoner, but I was fearful. And so I'd pay for it with good intentions and then never mm-hmm. show up. Not only did I show up to that event, I was wearing my boots. Wow. And in the corral, uh, before the start, I noticed that there was a bunch of guys that looked like soldiers. Sure enough, they were. They were all in the same black T-shirts, and they were covered with names and date of loss. And one guy had a um, – he was a single amputee. And – so I thought, you know, I'm going to stick with these guys for a little bit. National Anthem goes on. I'm bawling like a baby. Long story oh gosh, short, yeah. as I was going through that course, um, I was filming because I wanted to show Tyler, you know, after yeah. he got home. Yeah. And um, every about mile seven is when my feet really started hurting. And I was, you know, starting to blister a little bit. And then my uh, my IT band syndrome luckily had held off until that point uh-huh. and it was starting to hurt and I was getting a little bit slower and a little bit slower and the pain was really bad. By the time I hit mile, I don't even know what it was about mile 11. We're going up second Avenue, which is really oh, steep. Gosh. I am dragging. And this is no exaggeration. I'm literally dragging kind of like Quasimodo, my right leg behind me. Mm-mm. And that event, we, we ended up having, we crossed the bridge for anybody that's from Nashville and then came back up the pedestrian bridge, which is really steep. Yeah. By that point, yeah. I'm like ugly crying. Snot's coming out of my nose. I'm wincing and crying with, with every drag of my foot. And But the coolest thing happened. Not only was I having people asking me about my boots along the way, so I was having that connective tissue with other people. But as I was going, I was digging deeper into the pain. I was yeah. leaning into it. Yeah. And that became my, and, and, and instead of going and getting medication for the anxiety, mm-hmm. leaning into that discomfort and that pain was my medication. Wow. I found comfort. And healing and every ounce of, of discomfort and pain I had was like an ounce of armor falling off my body. It was like layers of an onion being pulled back. Wow. And that's where kind of the, the get uncomfortable was reborn of taking your pain and putting purpose and passion behind it. And if you can that's do strong. that... If you can do that, oh my God, like I wish every person, because we all have scars and every yeah. scar tells a story. And if, if everybody could, could at least just even remotely get a taste of the freedom of leaning in 
and doing something for somebody or, or something bigger than yourself, all of a sudden you, you know you're in pain, mm-hmm. but the pain doesn't matter. Yeah. You know that the, that the training stinks and you don't want to get up in the morning, but you do it anyway because it's not about you. And when, when you get out of that, oh, it's me box, and you get into the, oh, it's we atmosphere and stratosphere, boom, world opens boom. up. So true. And, uh, so true. Yeah. I experienced yeah, that. I did, I did team and training for one of my races a few years ago. And it was that same thing where I was like, I do not want to get my butt out of bed and in the water at four <laughs> o'clock in the morning. I don't want to do this. But it was not about me. So it's like, yeah, all right, here we go. There's people in a bed with leukemia that can't do this. So yes, yes, I'll get my butt out of bed. But anyways, so continue on. So you did that half marathon in the boots, finished it, whether it was ugly or not, but, um, but you have a new passion and a new purpose behind what you're doing. Yeah. So, you know, kind of like my early days, God just started bringing people and situations into my, into my life. And, you know, here I am, I'm, I'm, I'm in my 40s. I've got six kids. I'm juggling, you know, everything with my life. And I thought, you know, if if I can do this, anyone can do this. And if, you know, and I, I saw kind of how this is where I started doing things more intentionally. I saw how like um, the Oprah effect was on running. Like when mm-hmm. Oprah w- did Boston all of a sudden she gave every woman in the America in America permission to be able to run a marathon mm-hmm. because if Oprah could do it, anybody could do it. So that's where I started walking in intention of if I can do this, mm-hmm. anybody can do this. You don't have to do it. You don't have to do it in boots, but you can find something to go pour your heart into. You can find a why. And instead of sitting in a place of pain, you can sit in a place of purpose. And um, so it, it kind of, it, it's my boot running, again, usually loosely, started mm-hmm. going, started, uh, you know, spreading virally, um, not in the viral sense that, that we talk about viral now, but, you know, very grassroots. People were... St- I started having moms DMing me, I have no wow. idea how they found me. You know, my, my son, my daughter is going away to boot camp. Where do I get boots? I have got to find something to pour myself into. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went from doing the 5Ks, half marathons, and then I started challenging myself to get more uncomfortable by doing 50Ks and adding a pack and then adding weight to that pack and then adding more weight to the pack and going longer distances. And um, a a couple that had came into my life early on, um, both of them became dear friends of mine. The wife took up boot running with me um, for privacy reasons. I won't say their names, but... Mm -hmm. um, she she wanted to feel connected to her husband and she wanted a way to show her husband that she loved him understood maybe maybe not in the sense of oh i know exactly what your pain is or what you're feeling but yeah. in a camaraderie sense of i'm i'm yeah. here for you and with you so she started doing that with me and 
there was three, I believe, three different anniversaries of loss. And I saw what struggles came with that for them as a family and, and him as an individual. And I wanted to do something. I wanted, I knew I couldn't take that pain away from him, but I wanted to do whatever it was that I could do to say, you know, you're not alone. Somebody loves you, cares about you. And um, so I had asked if he thought it'd be okay if I wore the photos of his teammates on my pack. So he reached out to the families, got the okay. So now here I am, I'm doing these races, but now I have the photos of 13 fallen service members on my pack. And one of them was this beautiful, young, 18 year old single mom. Mm. And, um, you know, so I got, I got to tell their Mm. stories and I got to put, or I shouldn't say I got, I, I, I was given the privilege and the honor of putting a name and a face and, and, and to, to help create a legacy for, for them. And, and just as importantly, a way for those families to know that their loved ones weren't forgotten. And one of the moms had reached out to me on Facebook and, and told me that her son who was on my pack, that he had always wanted to do an Ironman someday, but unfortunately he was killed in Afghanistan. He was only 24 years old. And of course, you know, me being the, I'll do it. Uh, I, I said, you know, I just recently learned how to swim, but I will do, I'm going to do an Iron, I'm going to do an Ironman for and with Anthony. So, um, I went and I did, I went and I did my first full in, um, of Arizona and I missed the swim cutoff by like 300 meters. I just had the most awful, I just, I just had the most awful swim. And I Mm -mm. think it was probably maybe the last five of of what I actually completed, maybe the last thousand, five hundred thousand meters. I was finally like things were clicking and, um, I got outside of my own head and, and, and things were flowing. And when they tapped me on the shoulder to tell me that, that the race was over and I saw how close I was to the finish. Oh my God, Stacy, I have never been so devastated in my life because I had the boot campaign was there. My parents came into town and I, I, I had Anthony's mom and I felt like I had let all these people down. Mm. And I had, I had people that, um, that donated money to, to the nonprofit I was raising funds for. I had people that, that helped me get to there financially. And, you know, I had my pity party and then I ran into to this this guy. Uh, he got he didn't make the cutoff either, but he was even closer. He was walking up the steps out of the water no. at the cutoff. No. Oh my gosh! And he came up to comfort me, and we had a moment. He, you know, I, I he asked me, you know, what had happened, and I told him. And I said, but, you know, through my ugly cries, I said, but you don't understand. I'm not here for myself. And I told him, you know, very briefly, you know, I'm here for da, da, da. And he, this big, beautiful bear of a guy broke down crocodile tears. And he said to me, 
He goes, I am a combat veteran. Wow. And I'm struggling. And I'm here for myself and for my brothers and sisters that didn't make it home. And we got into the biggest bear hug. And that's when I realized, and I think this is really important, that not everything we do is going to have a finish line or a victory with it. Wow. I can't tell you how many people reached out to me after that, after what I thought was failure had inspired other people. And I had people, friends that were like, you know, Amy, I'd never told anybody this, but I didn't finish my first Ironman and I was too afraid to admit it. And it's not even about Ironman, right? Right. Yeah. It's, it's the stories and and the things that we learn along the way. Cause I realized I thought I was there. I thought I was there for a certain story and I thought I was there for a certain purpose. And I realized the story that God wanted me to tell wasn't Mm. about my victory. Wasn't about getting um, across the finish line. It was getting to that spot and making those connections and letting him work through me to make those connections and to inspire other people to not give up or not care what somebody else says or thinks or, yeah. you know, oh, well, you know, they didn't PR or whatever the case is, or, you know, they didn't finish or no, you know what? Every, when you show up, God shows out. And that was the story that was supposed to be told. And that's um, good. so I, I trained like a fiend for the next year, I had exactly a year, um, to do the full in Chattanooga, which was the, um, the inaugural. And, uh, I did the half. Oh my God. The, it was so amazing. I did the run in the boots. At this point, I've got 21 fallen service members on my pack. Cause God kept bringing people into my life that had lost somebody. And, uh, so I get to, to the, to the inaugural Chattanooga, there was some media around it. And again, I didn't make it about me. I made it about the why and about the the men and women on my pack. Mm -hmm. And, um, they followed me somewhat with the cameras. So people, there were people out on the course and other athletes that were, you know, cheering me along the way. And if you were on that course, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Every ounce of, of what I, what the love that I got and the encouragement I got kept me going. And, um, the swim Stacy. Oh my goodness. I, again, I did the sign of the cross. I said out loud again, before I jumped in, God, you didn't put this on my heart. If you didn't also give me the ability. And I started to swim and I started to panic and I thought, mm. no, No, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. And I had used visualization techniques this whole time that I had been training. And I knew the, I knew, I knew the swim, like it was the back of my hand, but in my head. Yeah. And I had adopted a, um, a a phrase that was, uh, had been around for a long time, but it was made famous by the Navy SEALs. How do you eat an elephant? one bite at a time. So that's how I took that course. Yeah. I was like, okay, get to the next buoy. Yep. I'd swim. I'd stop. I'd look around. I'd celebrate. And then I'd get to the next buoy. And before I knew it, I was out of the water. And if, if lo and behold, I'm out, I get out of the water, I'm running. 
um, and again, using that term loosely, especially after swimming, you know, over two miles, <laughs> I get out of the water and the first face I see is the woman that taught me how to swim. Didn't even know she was there. Wow. There's Ashley smiling face. And I'm like, Ashley, I did it. I swear I did it. And hmm. um, I oh my gosh, I celebrated on that bike every mile. I was singing. I was singing in my head. I was singing out loud. I celebrated absolutely every mile marker. I was probably the only person out there with a smile on my face. Everybody else was miserable. <laughs> and I was in a place of joy. Because A, I made it out of the water. Yep. And I knew if I could make it out of the water, I could make up time on the bike, but my swim was still fast. Everybody's swim was fast that year. I think yeah. it was like an hour, like an hour and 13 minutes. Wow. Thank yeah. you, current. That was not yes. me. That was all the current. And um, and I knew that that would give me some more bumper on the run. And um, so I'm, I'm out on the run course and I've got the, I've got the weighted pack. I've, I'm in my boots. I'm celebrating every mile and I'm starting to get sick. And mm. if anybody's ever done a race where you're getting like that stabbing stomach, somebody's in there just wrenching your guts and it's yeah. everything you've got, even take a sip of water. I had hit that point and um, I had met I, I know, I know I can make it. And, um, cause we still had plenty of time and I, I, um, I had met a man on the course and we became course buddies. He was from California. He was doing the race with a broken, um, rib. No, he did that swim. He did that bike. He did that. He was doing that run with a broken rib, mm -mm. but he wasn't doing it for himself. He was yeah. there for his wife, who was wow. who was ill, and um, I didn't mention this earlier, but my son had flown in for the race. Wow! Did so you know he son, was coming? I, coming? I had no idea that he was okay. coming. I found out about it like the night before, and okay. um, so I have my whole family there, and including including you know all my kids, but including my marine, and um, we get to mile marker, I think it was like 22 on the run. Just, it was shortly before, don't quote me on the mile marker, but it's before we go over, over the bridge on the last lap. Um, and they stopped us. They took our timing chips. What? We still had plenty of, we still, we still had time in our minds, but that's when they, that's when they said, this is the cutoff. Anybody no. from, from that point, whether, and I don't know how many people they started taking prior to us, but from us and anybody behind, that was it. You were done. So, um, I, I can't remember the gentleman's mm. name, but he and I, I mean, we still had plenty of time on the clock. So yeah. we were like, we're finishing this. And they're like, well, if you go across, you're more than welcome to finish, but you're not, you're not finishing with the timing chip. And if you go across the bridge, all of that's being shut down. So you're not going to have any resources. So we decided between the two of us, we were going to finish our run, but we were going to finish it, um, you know, through the streets on that side of, I guess that's maybe the north side, on the north side of the bridge. And we got two the finish line outside of the gates, not inside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
a 15 minutes prior to cutoff. <laughs> so watches what? we're at, you know, and, and Chattanooga is, is actually four miles longer than any other Ironman because of the okay. bike, the bike's four oh, no. miles longer. So we're back at the finish line, finishing all of our miles, accumulative miles and celebrating at the finish line, just outside of the finishing gate. And uh, so Iron Man gave me a medal to give to um, this mom. And, you know, some people said, oh, well, you know, you didn't, you didn't finish Iron Man. Oh, no, I did. I put in five, six hours a day, every day on that bike or four mile swims in the pool. And, you know, Anthony deserved. Yeah, it, it wasn't about me. It wasn't about the medal. Anthony and his mother deserved nothing less than my capable body to get to that finish line and, and to get his medal because he earned it. And I, Mm -hmm. uh, through my efforts, you know, I earned it for him. And, um, so they, they were very, very nice about it. They, they gave me the medal for, um, for Anthony's mom. And he was like, maybe later that week after I regained feeling in my legs and my arms, (laughs) (laughs) I was, uh, I was writing a note to, uh, to Tara, her name's Tara Peterson. Um, her, her, uh, son is Anthony Peterson. I was writing a note to Tara to tell her what a profound honor it was to, to do that event for and with Anthony. Cause I, I, I had never had the privilege of meeting Anthony, but I had him with me and felt him with me mm-hmm. the, uh, the entire day. And, um, so I'm writing her the note and I think, wow, you know, I'd really like to send my girlfriend a, um, a medal for her brother. Her brother was also on my pack. He was a high ranking Marine and he took his own life. And I Mm. went on the Chattanooga 140.6 Facebook group and just kind of put, just put out a little call to action with, with a photo. So people would remember, and I'm like, hey, you know, you might remember me. I'm the, you know, the Marine mom that was in the boots and the pack. And, you know, I, I, my personal medal is going to the, to the mother of um, Sergeant Anthony Peterson. If you feel it in your heart, would somebody please consider donating their finisher's medal so I can send one um, to another family? And I actually stepped out in faith because I was worried. Yeah, I mean that's a big ask for an Iron that Man. That is a huge ask. That's like asking somebody for their gold medal. Yeah. And I lived what that training's like and I yeah. lived how hard that course is and how hard that day is when you're not a natural born athlete. And I thought I was going to get ridiculed. Yeah. And wow. Girl, it couldn't have been further from the truth. Within mm. two hours, I was turning medals away. I had enough for every single fallen service member on my pack. Um, and then people were messaging me, how do I, how do, I do this? I want to race for somebody. 
Wow. You know, it was that, it was that, it was that showing up and let God show out and, and, and yeah. people going, I want what, I want what they've got. I want that feeling. Yeah. And, um, so I, I also started grassroots, started getting messages from other, from other parents. And so I put up a face, I was like, okay, I'm listening. I put up a Facebook group and I called it medals, M E D A L S medals of mm-hmm. honor. And it was, um, for that exchange of, giving up your own, your own hard earned personal finishers medal, no matter the distance, no matter what the activity was, you were giving that in honor and memory of that fallen service member. Wow. And within like a week, there was like almost a thousand people on that page. Back then we didn't have boosting posts. We didn't have the ability to Facebook ads. It was just grassroots sharing. And I said, you know, I, I'm like, how am I going to, how am I going to deal with all of these requests coming in? And I can't just manage it on Facebook. So I said, okay, I'm listening. So all of these things that, that, that I had learned in previous moments of my life that I talked about earlier, where I was like, okay, this is it. This is my life. And God going, nope, it's a redirection. But all of those skills that I learned, I was able to put to use now I stayed up till two o'clock in the morning, built a website, um, built out a, a, a very archaic um, database system, and for that next for that next full calendar year, uh, I had quit my job, and I was full time running medals of honor. We had sent over 150 packages to families of fallen service members. And when I say we, I'm including the athletes in that because what I was doing would not exist without their selflessness of, um, of, of honoring those, those men and women. Yeah. And, uh, so everybody kept going, are you going to, are you going to make this into a nonprofit? And I had heard absolutely horror stories about getting a 501c3. And Mm -hmm. one of which is from a good friend of mine, um, at the risk of of sounding or name dropping, it kind of sets the stage of my my good friend is the um, was the manager of late Charlie Daniels. Well, Charlie, of course, was very much alive then. And uh, Mm -hmm. They had a nonprofit together and it took them a year. Okay. If Charlie Daniels takes a year to get a 501c3, like I have no chance, right? And so I stepped out in faith. I got uncomfortable. I did what scared me and I put in the application. Stacey, when I went to the PO box and saw the letter and it's, it wasn't like a big manila envelope where you think you, you know, like it's like a certificate or something. And that's what I was expecting was like this big envelope with a certificate. And I saw that letter and my hands were shaking. Cause I was thinking, Oh my gosh, this probably has a list three miles long of, um, of stuff that, that I've got to, you know, that I've got to be able to do to get the 501 C three. And I just put in the request three weeks earlier, I'd gotten the 501c3. Okay, first off, the IRS does not work like that. You know, the federal government does not work like that. Wow. Um, But God does. But God does. just started flying open because, and again, this wasn't me. I'm not, I'm, 
I'm just the one like showing up and, and, and hearing those audible calls and tugs at your heart and your soul and going, okay, you know what? I, it may not work out. If it doesn't work out, that's okay. Cause there was something, there was something else that was meant to be Mm -hmm. taken from that. Um, so I just, from that moment on, I just lived in a place of where I didn't have fear of no, I didn't have fear of failure. And, um, so this, this thing that, that I started to comfort myself and to bring awareness of veteran suicide and to bring awareness of the sacrifices that every member of the families of veterans make. Because if, if anybody's listening to this that, that doesn't like fully yeah. understand, when you have somebody in your family serving and somebody deployed, it's not just that person. Every single family member is affected. And I didn't right. really know that fully until my son-in-law was deployed. And my, my oldest right. daughter was left at home with three little boys working full time and going to college full time. That's when stuff gets real. Um, so, you know, it was the craziest thing. Wow, like all yeah. these things started happening and, and, and our, our mission was evolving and yeah, we stayed within endurance sports, but God's plans were bigger than anything that I could imagine. So um, the mission has evolved, and to make a long story as short as possible, um, it's at one point it, it it became almost impossible for me to tell the story of why we were called Medals of Honor, and um, I. I didn't want anybody to be confused because we were starting to get some national press and attention. And I didn't want anybody to, to, um, to ever have a reason to say anything negative, to think that we're trying to steal valor by, you know, like the, the, the congressional medal of honor, because that was never the intention. So, um, and, and I looked at where we started and where we were and where I felt like God was taking us and, um, somebody that had come into my path that, that knew that we were thinking about doing some shifting said, how about memories of honor <sighs> with the brain? Cause, and I was like, you know what? That's right. Like, cause we're, mm. cre- one of the moms had said it best. She said, Amy, you are creating, you are helping to create new memories that our sons and daughters are no longer here to make for and with us. And I thought, Oh my God, what, wow. what, a oh my gosh, that's heavy. <laughs> what an honor, what a responsibility. And so what started yeah. is, is this yeah. little, th- little act of love, kindness, generosity, whatever tag you want to put, put on it is now a national campaign um, we're nationwide and, and to, just to give you a little bit of background, we, we now honor, um, which we, we always have, but all branches, um, 
all dates of loss, meaning it's not just post mm-hmm. 9-11. We have um, men and women in our database going back to World War II. We have Vietnam. We have every conflict there since. But of course, our biggest majority are, are more of the, the you know, post, wow. post they're, they're the war on terror and post 9-11. Um, and then we have a very broad spectrum sure. Sure. of, of uh, loss meaning um, we honor killed in action, missing in action, training mm-hmm. accidents, self-infliction, medical issues re- directly related to service. So to give you an example of that, we have some um, Vietnam era in our database that died mm-hmm. from um, medical issues directly related to Agent Orange. We have um, other causes of death outside of those that I just mentioned, but while they were still on active duty. And at some point this Mm -hmm. year, um, I I don't have the exact launch date yet, but we're working on building a separate and you'll, you'll, this is for you too. Um, We have a separate database that's being built. (laughs) That's an honor wall for every loss a veteran life, no matter mm. if it was old age or in the case of my father who passed away in August. Sorry. Um, so that way, so that way we can honor your grandfather. It's okay. I'm getting teary. I honor too. my <laughs> father and every man and woman <laughs> that has ever worn the cloth of this nation that, that, that we can build a, a living, breathing legacy for them. Um, so that, that'll be, that, that'll be a separate database. We'll still be running, um, the database where we're connecting individuals and sports teams and stuff like that with, um, with our main database, but we will always still have that living wall for all loss. And so that every, every veteran, um, can be honored because even wow. my my cousin um, Michael, who uh, fought in Vietnam, uh, he lost his battle with the needle just several years ago, and um, you know by by our very broad spectrum, I couldn't I could not put him into our database, but now with this new with this new wall, you know his name will live mm-hmm. on and he'll be honored and remembered. Uh, for his service. So a couple of really cool things that we have coming up and you'll like this. Um, (laughs) You know, we've, we've branched out to where we work with um, college sports teams. We've done activations with like USAA, the national finals rodeo and um, Boston college, men and women's basketball, the list just goes on and on and on. Um, But this season the Vanderbilt baseball team are all wearing names of fallen service Stop members on their helmets. Stop it. Yeah. I knew uh-huh. that would make you happy. My, my, my baseball fan. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, anybody that's within earshot of my voice will, you know, you don't have to be a runner. You don't have to be a marathoner. You don't have to be a cyclist. You don't have to be anything you don't want to be to be able to honor the memory of somebody that, that gave their life 
uh, in one form or another for the very freedoms that we have today. So, um, you know, we've, we've, we've got a new campaign out every day's Memorial day. Um, it's also with the hashtag MD three sixty five, and something as simple as going on our Facebook or Instagram feed and sharing every day. We, we share a new picture of a fallen service member that, that had lost their life on that date. Something as simple as that. When the families see that, it's beyond any words that 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 I could that I could put to it, because um, they've already they've already experienced the worst nightmare. Their loved one's gone. Now their greatest fear is that their loved one's going to be forgotten. So mm-hmm. through the many various ways um, that you can get involved with uh, memories mm-hmm. of honor, we can make sure that 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 they're not forgotten that's awesome that is gosh i mean i've always been a fan of from day one that i met you um of your mission and the mission of memories of honor and um you know you know i've got a military background Mm -hmm. as well my multiple generations you know and then navy and army air corps and all that stuff so um i love what you have done and I love the story and the passion and the just the mission that you have of empowering people to do something just even to say thank you right because you know especially in today's day and age with the way our political system is right now which we're not going to get into politics thank you (laughs) no matter where you fall on either right but like what I love about this is like regardless of where you fall on the political spectrum, the truth and the matter of fact is people died to give you that right to fall yes. on that part of the political spectrum. And they are sons and daughters and husbands and wives and they deserve our gratitude. And um, because without that sacrifice, we couldn't have the freedom to believe what we wanted to believe, you know, and stand where we want to stand. So, um, so thank you for fighting so hard for our fallen service members. And, um, I'm stoked about the things that memories of honor has coming up. Um, that's super exciting. Um, you know, and I know we don't have as much time to jump into it all, but um, I do want to, I don't want to get off without saying and giving nods more than nods, but to, um, to wearable gratitude, right. Um, And Valor Bands is something else that Amy has started and with a partner, um, Joe, just repurposing uh, the uniforms of Fallen soldiers, active soldiers, like, right? It's kind of any uniform that's been in yeah, service. Yeah. Is so, that right? Um, we, we've only had one, um, and, and I, 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 don't, I don't mean it to sound like loosely, uh, most, most all Mm-mm. of our donors, 99.99% of our donors of their uniforms are um, either still active duty or have rolled out of service. Um, we don't have a lot okay. of fallen service member donors. We, we do still have some from um, specialist Benjamin Leftrick that his dad mm-hmm. wanted, you know, he kept what, what he wanted to keep. And then he wanted people mm-hmm. to have a piece of his son 
Christ's service. Um, so most, most of them are, uh, are, you know, still alive and with us, but just, just a mm-hmm. cool little thing that, um, we had sold a bunch of bins, um, Valor bands at, um, at the CMA fest. There are people now in, in over in Asia and, uh, Canada mm. and Australia wearing Ben's bands and telling his story, which is, is the wow. whole purpose behind Valor bands and wearable gratitude is mm-hmm. to honor the service of every, again, every man and woman yeah. that has ever worn our nation's cloth and, um, 200,000 wrap your brain around this 200,000 service members roll out of service every year approximately. Right. And think about yeah. how many uniforms each one of them have or some type of textile. Yeah. At some point, those textiles, those uniforms are going to find their way into a landfill. And if you, if you, if, if you have any interest in this mm-hmm. area, I suggest that you Google like fashion and textiles with the, the ecosystem. And it's one of the largest pollutants ever. And, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. so while we're doing the storytelling, we're also wanting to give new life to those uniforms, a way for you, the wearer, mm-hmm. to be able to pass on that service member's story, but also new life to those uniforms so that that service member's uh, service sacrifice life does not end up in a landfill. And we can keep honoring that sacrifice long after he or she retires their boots. That's awesome. I love it. That's it, it in a I love it. So. <laughs> That's it in a nutshell, for sure. Man, Amy, thank you so much for just sharing your heart. And, um, you know, I always come into these conversations with an idea of of what I would like to talk about. But uh, but God always directs it in like you like your story. God always directs it the way he wants it to go and um, and the story that he wants to be shared today. So thank you for just sharing and uh, being a part of this. Um, I know that you're on the socials and I will put all the handles and links and stuff below. But, um, but you guys, if you're listening, like get involved. That's my, my plea. My ask of you is to just get involved. Um, Like Amy said, you don't have to be a marathoner or an Ironman. um, But we all can show gratitude in some way, shape or form. And if you want kind of inspiration or ideas on how to do that, you can go to memories of honor.org, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dot org. Memories okay. of honor.org. Yep. Memory, memories of honor. And uh, like I said, I'll put that in the description below. Um, Valorbands.org as yeah, well. It's, um, it's wearable, I'm yeah, butchering this it's one. It's wearablegratitude.com. If you want to wear your gratitude and have it be visible and be able to tell the stories of um, retired soldiers and service members. Um, Go check it out. So um, yeah, that's, that's all I've got, but thank you so much, Amy, uh, for jumping on here with us. I appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for giving uh, this platform and thank you for going out and in, in faith and getting uncomfortable yourself to, to start your 
you know, your new adventure. And, you know, like I said earlier, and I'm, I'm stealing this from, from my late pastor, um, you know, when you show up, God will show out. So keep walking in faith. Friends, I told you that was going to be a great conversation. And here's the thing that I love that Amy has been through so many things in her life, but she was fully present in each one of them. She dreamed big dreams and some of them were successful, some of them weren't, but that didn't stop her. She just kept going and kept going. And now she is really living her best life with memories of honor and making sure, as she said in the podcast, that every day is Memorial Day. And so while you guys are enjoying these cookouts and our friends, just take a minute to remember. Remember the men and women that gave their lives for our country and for our freedoms. It's the least that we could do as a form of gratitude. Because a Gold Star mom once said her biggest fear is that her son was going to be forgotten. I don't want any service member to be forgotten. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Amy. I hope you were inspired. I hope you were challenged. I hope you found unique ways that you can make an impact in this world by even just thinking outside of the box. She ran a marathon in boots and is sending her medal to a family. And that sparked a movement. It's so big. Um, So, you know, you've heard me say it before. I'm going to say it again. We each have our own unique stories that only we can live. So every day, get out there and live your great story. See you next time.